jumped the shark. You can stop that now. Wait, Jeopardy jumped the shark? It is. We now know who the best is ever. Ah. Ah. Just play the song. <laughs> We're not going to start an argument about television? No, mm. not today. <laughs> Welcome to Everyone Racers, a show designed for the world of low-dollar racing and oddball car culture. It doesn't matter what kind of lemma champ or lucky track dog you run, SCCA or NASA, we won't discriminate. As long as you drive it hard and built it yourself. Join us each week for tech discussion, tips, tricks, news and notes in the world of low-dollar endurance racing. And whether it's on the spot, hella sweet, or we're lucky enough, and the guest gives us just the tip we're sure you'll giggle a little and learn even less everyone report to the paddock this is chris chrissy's Uh, later. yep i'm jeff and i'm mental thanks so much for coming and listening back to another volvo amazon episode of everyone racers it's episode 122 if you're not driving a car bust out that bingo card we haven't updated it Okay. But, you know, it, it took us like 50 episodes just to get it. So, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, someday. It's going to be funny one day when I actually update it. Absolutely it is. I mean, it's so funny let now. Us, it is. We know what we're not working on, which is the bingo card. Let's talk about what we are working on. Chris? Well, I uh, felt pretty proud of myself in that I diagnosed and repaired the dryer the same day. It wasn't producing any heat. It was spinning. I said, I don't know. How do it work? Turns out these things aren't that complicated. It's like a sheet, four sheet metal sides, all zip, like sheet metal screwed together. There's a big drum in the middle that just has like a three rib like a belt. belt around it, like yeah. a, a tiny little three rib belt that goes to a motor and then has a tensioner, and that's all that spins the thing really. And there's some rollers that hold it up. Um, there's you know a duct that sucks the air in and out, and then there's and actually quacks. just a flame tube. That the gas fire goes on that makes heat just open flame, and it's amazing how dusty it was inside the dryer next to open flames. I don't know how <laughs> we didn't spontaneously combust, but <laughs> thanks to uh, uh, went on Repair Clinic online, which is a great site for appliance repair. They got all kinds of stuff there in the past mm-hmm. with our janky things we've bought. Uh, anyway. Turned out to be a thermal fuse. That was it. It would have been eight bucks if I bought it online, but hey, the local parts store had one. Let's support local and get it today. And that was seventeen dollars. But hey, it works. It's back together. It's clean. Everything's nice. It's better than when I started. We're not on fire. Our clothes are dry. I felt good about that. <laughs> where, where so there's no way you put go? it back together and did not clean every aspect of that. Of course I did. Hey, where did you have to go to get a thermal switch for a dryer? Uh, there's an appliance store that does you know, sales and repair and service and everything and parts oh, okay. in got Exeter, it. Pennsylvania. So nearby, got went out in the snow, I, got that. It was great. I wouldn't have known where to find an appliance repair place in my local vicinity. So I'm sure there, there's one. There's a thing called the Internet. It's Google. a series of <laughs> tubes. Google's will bring it to you. Yeah, exactly. it's a series of tubes, and it'll tell you. And there you go. Um, did, some, did some more painting around the house. That's going fine. Did some snow removal because it snowed some. Uh, snow uh, removal. Yep. Uh, yeah, whatever. Your car actually was in the snow for the first time, really. So, <laughs> um, 
I did try some iRacing like for a long time, an actual race, and I got my ass handed to me by Uncle Dave and his friend. That was nice. Thanks, guys. Uh, uh, Lime Rock and Solstices. So the Solstices are much easier than the Miata. That's for sure. Less less roof time? Yes. Yes. Much less time on my roof. That was good. I, I noticed from the picture that you posted on our inner social web thing that you had the only beige, fleshy toned <laughs> solstice. Yes. Everybody else's solstice didn't look like a penis. I and know. I was disappointed. Well, yes, mine was flesh toned with a black top and red bits on the sides by the back wheels. I thought it was just right. And it was number 42. Dave, I mean, Dave did what he should do. He What's had an orange car. Dave had an orange car, number 71. Fits him fine. All right, right. that's acceptable. Right. The other guy had a black car, number 32. That was boring. But, you know, I like my my flesh-toned solstice. It's great. Um, And I waved goodbye to the Mercedes and was amazed that they were able to drive it up onto the three-car hauler up the ramps in the snow and not have it slide off the side (laughs) because somehow 500 horsepower and Michelin pilots and snow and ramps didn't seem like a good idea. But hey, they're care custody and control, and they did okay. Tied it down and left. So electric limited slip. I'm gonna say for for our, well, our guest who's at the podcast, I want to show him a picture of our actual flesh to- colored solstice, so that better, he could. That's better than what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, what you had in mind is probably what we were shooting for when they built yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so so uh. How closely did they inspect the Mercedes? Well, it was snowing. The guy kind of like, like, like tried to brush, really... some, brush some snow off the fender and was like, I don't know. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> uh, I cleaned it off fairly well before then, but frankly, the car had like three dents in it total and one scrape. And oh, well, whatever. Because it's getting. Happens. It, Vicky's probably going to well, be the one that receives it when he gets here. And I don't know if that guy's fully prepared for her level of attention does she know that there are a couple dents in it (laughs) (laughs) she does i've had to brief her yes okay good (sighs) she she can call me if necessary anyway so so that was it um jeff what have you been doing so uh i don't know if you just heard but i've been coughing my guts out uh it, it seems that uh i i gathered i i i have contracted the crud the sniffles and is it the coronavirus? Because I'm worried about I'm going to get probably, it to my computer. No, I, I thought, don't. I don't drink Mexican beer, so I don't right. think it's the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I I believe my doctor says you probably had the flu, but now it's bronchitis. So I can Great. be expecting to cough for a very long time. Are you still going to work? Or are you staying home? Oh, of course I went to work. All right. Screw all those people. I, I I can't be Typhoid Mary and not go to work. No, I, I actually went to Boy Scout camp. Oh, good. Let's in, infect the throws, children. That's yeah, good. Yeah, throws of the fever. <laughs> I mean, well, I didn't realize turn, how turn sick I Turnabout's fair play. Was. They always get us sick, so I'm, I'm <laughs> kids. Sure I'll, I'll teach that kid to puke in the back of my truck. <laughs> Seriously, he was there. I should have coughed on him. Um, <laughs> I, I, what happened basically was Friday, I wasn't feeling well. So I said, well, I can't get sick because I got Boy Scout camp and then it's the opening of the semester. So I better stay home and just pack and take it easy. So I stayed home and I packed and I took it easy. And then I went to camp 
And uh, at approximately 11 p.m. or 12 p.m. when I was going to bed midnight, I got into my sleeping bag and I started shivering so badly. And this is an indoor cabin, 72-degree room. And I'm going, oh, I might be sick. I'm not sure. <laughs> So for two and a half hours, I ached. I spot two or two day, two days. Excuse me. I couldn't get any sleep. All of my joints ached. I still did a three mile hike. I still managed not to cough any lungs up. I still did everything I needed to do because I'm a Boy Scout leader, and like six parents were uh, counting on me to make sure their kids didn't get beat up by the bigger kids. Is your so, arm hurt from patting yourself on the back so much? There, that was, that was no, good. no. Yeah, okay. no, it hurts from hitting the kids. Oh, okay, good. I, honestly, yeah. I feel like the problem, it wasn't so much that he was sick as that he didn't have enough purple drink. No, the problem was is that like once you get in the truck and go, there's no turning back. <laughs> like, Pat, what, feel what, free to comment. You don't have to be quiet during this. It's, it's fine. Screw you, well, kids. I'm, I'm leaving. Just, I'm sitting back here learning. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, damn it. So anyway, yeah, that's what I did. Uh, and then on Monday, because I was still forced to work, I went to work and I ran a service day for a thousand students. Who, so twenty of whom are now in hospitalized with <laughs> probably bronchitis. Actually, I stayed away from them pretty well, except my student staff. So they're probably the ones that got oh, sick. Good. <laughs> yeah. The it's ones terrible. you actually like. <laughs> it, it's terrible, but. It's yeah. No, don't get sick, everybody. Get your flu shot. Mm. All right. That's Mental. it. Mental, what are you working on? Uh bought a car this week. So the that that'll take care of. This past weekend I was at Button Button Willow. Button Willow Button Willow for the Vintage Auto Racing Associating uh training weekend. They call it Vera University. Chris, you'd be very impressed. It is not quite to the level of Great Lakes, but darn close uh when the noobs come off the track they immediately shepherd them through the pits and take them over to either a threshold breaking exercise they had them do a walkthrough of the karting track so they could learn to analyze corners and various inputs on that one a lot of really high-end exercises everyone got a red flag exercise every run group got a red flag exercise over the weekend and what was actually really impressive they had an abundance of instructors Groups would go out, and there'd still be instructors sitting on the wall with uh, no students to take out. Now, did you have the same student the weekend or the day, or was it round-robin, whoever's car you felt like getting in? I was there specifically to help one student, and really, he had the basics down. It was just one of those situations where he just needed seat time. So then I ended up with another student. I was uh, He's really close to getting signed off for his license, and they just wanted a third one to ride around with him to make sure that they weren't seeing things. That was fun because he had a uh, Crown Victoria. So we, we drove around the track at a Crown Vic, and I kind of look at the only thing. Mark. Yeah, the only thing I could really say is you might you could break a little bit later, but I understand exactly why you're getting on those brakes soft and early so you don't overheat them with a forty three hundred pound car. And he kind of nodded and said, "Yeah, that's on purpose." And of course, when I got out of the car, I had to make the joke about, "Oh, I've never ridden in the front seat before." Kind of fun, and it was actually it was brace myself on the armrest and then brace myself against the door and then brace myself on the armrest. <laughs> insane amount of fun taking a crown Vic on a track. Yeah. I was going to say three point belt bench seat. <laughs> Velour bench seat. It was nice. So is it a police That's, package? 
Police Absolutely. Factor. Yeah, totally. Calibrated speedometer, the whole nine yards. That's awesome. I, I drove, my uncle had an 08. I drove uh, an 08 at Little Talladega in Alabama. And oh my put, God. <laughs> yeah, we put a we put an old set of uh, Hoosier R6 slicks on it. And it that, was... That might change the handling characteristics just a bit. It, well, the tires weren't great. Let me be, let me be clear. <laughs> they, they were old, but uh, if it had a five-speed in it, man, that car... That car was pretty cool. It was good. And Little Talladega, that's a very narrow track. There's usually a motorcycle track. <laughs> There's a lot of trees there. Yeah, a lot of trees very close. And a that's, corn. Yeah. So I uh, I had to, I changed out the pool light. That was fun because the water was 40 degrees. Uh, but we, we now have a, a lit pool again. Uh, while you guys are doing your snow removal, that's what I was doing. I was changing out my pool light and then making sure the balance was good in my hot tub. And I'm headed to Chicago this weekend for extreme experience training, the their annual safety training slash holiday party. Listeners, your bingo card. Yeah. Listeners, you've l- already noticed a van- brand new voice this week. Our guest is the non-finger quotes, real racer, Patrick Wilmot. Pat, what you working on? Ah, I'm working on buying my parents' house. It's uh, the exciting news in the racing world for me. Um, so I'm working on that, and and we're actually selling a whole bunch of uh, my dad's old collectibles, race racing collectibles, and um, automotive collectibles on eBay. So my days have consisted of uh, sitting at the house and taking pictures and posting things on eBay lately. <laughs> mm. It's uh, really, really exciting. Well, hey, text us that link. We'll make sure it goes in the show notes if you get your eBay store set up. Because yeah, for sure, we we probably have some Mustang uh, enthusiast listeners. Yeah, I was gonna say I definitely see some stuff on the wall behind Pat that I'm like, ooh, I would like yeah. to see that closer. That uh, that poster is actually worth uh, around two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars, and we got three or four of them here at the house. So he's <laughs> he's had some good collectibles over the years, but um, but yeah, I mean. Other than that, we're uh, working on an LMP3 deal uh, that should hopefully come together at the end of the year or maybe for the start of next year. That's that's really all I've been doing. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Listing stuff on eBay is total drudgery, but then it it's fun when it sells, though, especially when you sell us, like, and you're surprised by it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I listed so, a whole bunch of stuff for the 300ZX race car we had and you know, it was months ago. And then the other day, Suddenly, someone bought the passenger seat slider for forty bucks, and I was like, "What? It's fantastic!" And I was so excited <laughs> that, I, that I sold it. So, anyway, so the the my like the big thing that I found today, and I didn't actually. This isn't me selling it, but uh, I actually found a nineteen eighty seven um, NASCAR Winston Cup um, picture. So you might have heard the dinner with racers. Uh, um, their Amazon Prime video talking about the the poster that went out in 1987 of Tim Richmond. I don't know if you might have seen that that uh, video yet or not, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so there's a big um, there's a big to do over the 1987 Winston at Charlotte poster because uh, Tim Richmond uh, apparently pulled something out behind Neil Bonnet's ear and uh, for the original picture. And it made, oh, I have it, heard this story. Yeah. So it made it into print, and um, they didn't catch it right away. So a bunch of fans and other people ended up with the original print before it got censored. Well, um, I found today, and I, I've been—I love Tim Richmond. I, I think the guy was awesome. You know, I thought he was—if he hadn't died, I thought he was going to be. You know, obviously, I went around really to to 
live through the experience, but cause I was like one years old when he died. Um, but I think that he was like the perfect thing that NASCAR needed at the time, but he, uh, <laughs> these posters got censored finally, but if you can find one that is uncensored, um, they're pretty special. And I found a clock today. It's a wood grain clock. Um, that is the actual picture. And I, I guess this guy just didn't know what he had, uh, because the other clocks are going for 250 to $300 and I bought it for 60 bucks. So, oh, nice. Score. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a bar and, and, uh, you know, man cave upstairs. So that's going upstairs. Nice. Very cool. And we have just been joined by our ever present safety representative, Chrissy. Hi, sorry about that. Here what I am. What you working on? Oh, what I'm working on. Um, so is that the segment that I just jumped in on? That's We're awesome. just yeah. at the very end of it. Perfect timing. Fantastic. So um, I am joining you from beautiful Atlanta. Uh, I am in Stockbridge. And uh, is that where you're from? I'm in Roswell. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, I am, uh, yes, a lovely hotel. Uh, and I am working on, I'm a regional training center, which is normally what I've been working on. Um, I'm here with a bunch of actually safety guys, and they are all trying to make this center ready to go for classes in two weeks. So uh, a lot of work needs to be done. We're, we're trenching tomorrow. We are uh, installing appliances and putting stu- putting tables together and all that good stuff. So I'm here, uh, just got here today for that, and I'm here till Friday, and then I scramble home and more stuff going on. Now it's time for everybody's favorite game, Guess the Rental. Mm. All right, give us some, give <laughs> us some right. particulars. Oh God, everybody's quiet here. Oh, wait, I, have, I have a new way that we can play this game. Okay. All right, you give us your impressions of the vehicle. Like what does that and mean? What, like like you could say like wrong, oh, wrong. It's terrible. It's terrible. I hate it. I had no choice. And I will say it was Nissan or Versa. Versa. <laughs> <laughs> like, like so, just just us, my feelings about it. Like yeah yeah yeah. Like I picked good because blah blah and sure. blah. Okay, I have my answer. It was it's very very easy. Um, I thought it was going to be better. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Huh. All right, and then give us the general sedan truck compact subcompact. Well, uh, well, I'll tell you what I needed it for. I oh, unlike okay. last time, I needed to move stuff, big stuff. So I we went ca- caravan. That's the last time I was moving stuff. This time I have I parked in a parking lot with five matching F150s uh all white. One of them <laughs> may have had a rollaway cab instead of the whatever. So they were all the same trucks. So I have plenty of people to move stuff that I don't need to. Mm. That, mm. And Chris doesn't know because I didn't tell him. Uh-uh, no. I'm going to say Challenger. Are we going to – is everybody going to guess uh, or do I just – you No, know, we're all going to guess. <laughs> okay. We're all going to um, guess. I, I – I'm gonna. I feel like it's an SUV still, just because you were tucked in with yeah. F-150s. No, that's the people so, at her work all have F-150s, so she didn't need an F-150. Oh crap! I'm Unlike sorry. last I time, when I needed to move appliances uh, and stuff, I um, yes, I apologize. Thank you for clarifying. I, I'm I'm definitely vibing Chrysler product, but I'm saying Pacifica. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm. What's on this one? Go go. Come back to me. Come back. 
I was going to say the Dodge Caravan, but you said oh, you already had one. Right? I had one of those last time, and I yeah. actually really liked it. I That's moved in a, a t- um, refrigerator and a uh, water heater. I moved them back and forth, so it was awesome. The lowest people were like, it's not going to fit. I was like, oh, it's going to fit. And it did. Mental. Mm. Mm. All right, on, uh, did Really, you think that I would have thought of... A Pacifica was going to be good? What did you say? No. You say I, thought, I thought you were going to get into 300. Pacifica and think like, oh, it's like a caravan, but not nearly as good. And then you get in it and you realize it isn't even close to as oh, good as a caravan. <laughs> you, you all are wrong. It's a Camry. Ooh. Huh. Oh, really? Oh, huh. oh yeah. So, because I don't need to move anything. I'm in a sedan. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, I'm, I'm done with Nissans. And I didn't need anything to move things. I had a bunch of caravans. Uh, I could have taken it. I guess I could have taken a Challenger. Uh, that is, I think that that is one just rolled in. Stockbridge camouflage. They're like, like you could you could knock over a liquor store, <laughs> jump in that camera, and they never I think it's, catch my, you. Mine is silver, too, which I think all of them are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just thought it was like, oh, okay, you know, a sedan that's not not too big of a deal, uh, and even just a base model because we've had Toyotas in the fa- uh, family. I guess not really well, lately. We rented a Camry when we were out in uh, Sacramento that time, and I went bombing all through the woods and the mountains around yeah. Tahoe and everything with it. It was okay. You know. I just, I yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's it's really pretty boring. It's I don't know. I haven't driven it too much yet, but I'm I'm not I'm not really impressed so far. Well, who who do we have on the show that talked so much about the new Camry? Was it Brian Medford who talked about how the new Camry was so much better than the past? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I honestly and I was with him on that one. Huh. Um okay. I mean, okay. No AMG Mercedes, but well, you know. yeah, I mean, it's not. Which hopefully that. it makes it from one state state to the other. Um, but yes, so that's my cam- that's my Camry, and um, yeah, so that's what I'm up to. Thanks for playing the game. It's still a rental car, so it's still the fastest car you've ever driven, right? <laughs> off road. Uh, I ha- <laughs> off road. No, I haven't done that yet. But I should. I should. <laughs> but hey, and it, you it might know somebody. You might know somebody that'll let that thing on a track up at Atlanta Motorsports Park while you're in town. I mean, if I had time, I would, yes. but I don't. <laughs> That's very sad. Uh, I wish I wish I did. All right. All right. Well, it is news and notes time as we move forward with the news of the week. Who's starting? Chris? Sure. Or so mental. on his Twitter, Tanner or Faust. Mental, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Tanner Faust posted a picture of himself, Rutledge Wood, and Adam Ferreira, a.k.a. the original cast of the American Top Gear, with the concept of, would you listen to a podcast of these three idiots telling stories behind the scenes of Top Gear episodes? There might be alcohol involved. Which, if I'm honest, except for the subject matter, sounds like a total ripoff on this podcast. I was going to say, three idiots. I listen to that podcast every week. Yeah. (laughs) I would still listen to it. And if you would... Feel free to let any of them know because they all three of them reposted it. And we got the link to that in our show notes. All right. All right. The uh, new Supra, it's heavy on the hype and the price. And we all know it's a Z4 with a new outfit. But it really is a good chassis and performs well. So it's so good, in fact, that last year announced Morgan Motor Company of, of England announced that they were doing away with their wooden framed cars. Not kidding. Still make that. Um, Handmade wood framed. Yeah, of course. Well, it's 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 the the, the fine the parts falling off are of the finest British craftsmanship. So, 
They announced their new Plus 6 would be based on the same setup. So they are also just taking a BMW, putting something else on it. And you know, Morgan has used BMW stuff in the past. Like the Aero 8 had a 4.4 liter V8, for example. Um, so they announced their Plus 6 configurator. You can build your proper English sports car online if the website works. If it doesn't give you an oil spill option, then that's not right. Um, <clears throat> so the team over at Haggerty invited their readers to configure their new old British Roadster and post results. And, hey, you might as well do the same and post it up for us. Then you can look at how expensive it is and realize you're not going to buy one. And you should just buy my MGA instead when it hits Springer Trailer this year for the authentic British car experience and smell. <laughs> British cars just have this smell that it's not bad, but it's not good either. It's just it's also it's, been it's, sitting in a garage for a while. It, oh, well, it's whole I life, mean, pretty smell. much. Musty, yeah. yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, someday we'll have to decide whose MG has been sitting around longer. Uh, my father's TD or your A. Mine, I drove it to work a couple of years ago. Like I drove it around oh, a bunch. Then, yeah, then my father's <laughs> has been sitting way longer. About that time when you drove it and you started to drive away and then the cool uh, the water jumped out at the end of the garage and you're like, well, not taking that. Drive it back <laughs> into the garage. Yeah, the heater, the heater <laughs> valve is, broke. That right. is the British car experience right there. <laughs> at least it was still at the end. Of, and we did it with your mom's too. We took your mom, TD. We're going to take it to the That's next the, state uh, over. Yeah. To, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then it didn't make it to the end of the street. And we started to, we're like, well, guess we're taking that home. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we're we're good with those. Yeah. It's just it's just part my, of the lifestyle. It's something you accept. And uh it, my father sheared an axle getting ice cream like three blocks from the house. And I swear it had nothing to do with me flat shifting it on the prom <laughs> when I had it. Um which was several weeks before. Uh and you're still going twenty eight after flat shifting. It's <laughs> true. Uh it's no, if twelve if that. Um so the, the, what does the British car smell like? I want to get back to this because I want to try and describe it. I have it imprinted in my memory. It's like leather, but not like leather that's been turned into clothes. It's like leather that's still on the hoof. Oh, oh, now, old leather furniture <laughs> is what it smells like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit like hay, leather. And burning oil. And... and 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 dripping oil. Mine doesn't burn because it well, doesn't. Once it drips, definitely oh, okay. like yeah. a not yeah. not a musty as in like disgusting, but definitely like a quality mushroom. A country musk cottage. <laughs> to a British car. It's yes. a country cottage. That's what yeah, it yeah. is. You're not selling any. Okay. You're not selling anyone on this is what, all British that they cars. Should buy. This is what they smell like. Oh yeah. no! Every British enthusiast listening to this show is going, "Oh my God, they know." Now they know we're not lying. Listen to this. It's very important news and notes. Happy birthday to the second best East Coast Lemons racer, Amanda Tully. I bet she doesn't listen to this show. She's too smart for that. A hundred people are going to to put it on her Facebook. I already did. So there. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's news and notes. Yeah. Upcoming it's, races. It's winter time. Nothing. There's not. Uh-huh. It's winter. So, so Santiago, weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. This weekend, rally correspondent Santiago will be running the Snowdrift Rally. Other than that, we have no races on the schedule. Nope. Not First weekend of February. Yeah. Yep. Last week, none. 
Okay. Listener feedback time. Okay. A few weeks back, the kind crew at Race Bar posted on our Facebook page. I know it's a bit late, but I wanted to thank everyone racers for the NHMS Race Recap Podcast, as well as thank them for their generous Baby Shark appreciation. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it was generous. I think generous? everybody... I don't know about generous, I, but I, I thought I actually told them that they owe me royalties for stealing the baby shark. Not stuff. you. They don't owe oh. you anything. Oh no, no, it's true. Fantastic shark. They owe me <laughs> royalties. <laughs> Somebody yes, owes me some royalties for this. <laughs> so, and uh, just today, I received listener feedback from um, Eric K. Nine fourteen lover. He said he was listening to our show at Arrive and Drive from the perspective of an arrive and driver, and was trying to think. As he, as we were starting the show, like, all right, what 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 did he need to do when he first showed up? What did he learn to do over time? What does he learn? What would he tell himself? And he said he was happy to say we got every last thing that he was thinking of as part of our show. So we did something okay. That's that's news. <laughs> Great job. That everybody. explains why Eric fits in so well. Right. Uh, uh, it's okay. I'm glad we did something okay. It's like the TV commercial. Yeah. You want your surgeon <laughs> to be just okay? Yep. And you know who else thinks we are just okay? Chrissy's mom. Hi, Chrissy's mom. Hi, Chrissy's Chrissy's mom. mom. (laughs) Not you, honey. She likes you. But the rest of us, we're just okay. Yeah. No, not true. Uh, Also, she got, she, I was just, I actually just talking to her. She just got back from the dentist and had a uh, cavity under a cap. Fixed. Oh, no, no fun. Yeah. No. Feel better soon, Chrissy's mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Anyway, let's move on. It's time for the main topic. We have a lot of time for the main topic this week. Well, not really, because we just have as much time as we want any week. But I'm saying we we saved a special show to bring on a, quote, real racer because, uh, I don't know. It's a special show? Yes, special show. Um, So, Mental, do you want to do the intros? Because you know Patrick well more than we do. Yes. He is a fellow Atlanta area gearhead. We have run in similar circles, and by run in similar circles, he lapsed me about 14 times. We did the SimCraft 24 Hours of Orlando karting event. Uh, he works at Atlanta Motorsports Park. We've uh, taught some of the same classes. And before I start to embarrass you, uh, pa- uh, so this is Patrick Wilmot, professional racer, and again, not finger quotes. He does this for a living, but uh, Pat, you can give us a, a, a brief bio. Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up around the sport. My dad vintage raced in HSR and SVRA. And uh, so ever since the time I was uh, about a day old until now, I've grown up around the sport and uh, started in go-karts when I was 16. So I got a little bit of a late start and um, actually started in a a uh, indoor karting league is how I got going in all this. So uh, starting go-karts, moved up into SCCA when I was 19 and um, from there, just kind of one thing led to another. Uh, did the the had the great idea to leave school and become a professional race car driver? You know, in college, who needs one of those degrees? And um, so I left school at 22 and um, tried to make it as a professional driver. And um, fortunately, it's it's worked out pretty well so far. But I will say, I I don't really call myself a, a professional race car driver uh, anymore. I call myself a, a professional coach. So um, I. Uh, you know, I, I found myself in the line of coaching um, as, you know, full time when I was 27 years old and I'm about to be 31 now. So 
um, you know, more importantly on y'all's guys, your side, you know, I, I started with, SC, um, with um, Skip Barbo and I was, let's see, 23. So that was 2012. And um, so I uh, professionally, I guess you could say, uh, started coaching men. Um, so I've been in the game for a while. And, you know, as it's, as the years have gone by, I've I've been fortunate to to race in World Challenge and uh, the MX5 Cup, and uh, I ran at Petit Le Mans in 2018, and um, so and here I am now with you guys. So I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. On uh, mm-hmm. slippery slope down there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. No, no, I you know it it's funny because you guys kind of catch me in a transitional period uh, in my in my career. It, it's gone from you know really hustling hard and trying to make it, you know, work. And, and now it's kind of like, I just want to get back to having fun. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Mm. So you said that you were, you, you, you listed some, uh, uh, you listed some specific races there. Like you did Petit Le Mans, you were with MX five cup for a while. Uh, were you, um, you know, driver for hire? Were you a team owner? Were you, what was your, what was your, I guess, driver slash because everyone's a driver slash sure yeah so actor um, slash director yeah so uh i originally the way that i got my ride with uh world challenge was um something that never happens i i literally got approached by one of my good friends and one of his good friends said that he wanted to start a race team and um he'd already bought a car and he said he wanted a driver he wanted a he wanted somebody that was capable of winning and um my buddy said hey i know a guy and so um i got this was november of 2015 and i got this phone call and he said you know he wants to go racing in tcb class which was you know super slow uh mini coopers and and uh honda fits and that kind of thing in world challenge i was like you know i was like i want to go pro racing so let's do it how competitive was that? Because I've I've been lucky enough to kind of catch some of that on like the obscure sports channels, and it looks like this is legit door to door. They're not going very fast, but kind of a one mistake and sorry, buddy, you you're you're out of the contention. Yeah, so it's typical momentum racing. Um, the only the only problem we had was BOP was still very prevalent, so balance of power. Uh, was still very prevalent, and so when we showed up for the first race, and let me let me be clear, the car that I was driving was not a great car. Um, this was a car that we had later found out had been in a rollover crash and then turned into a race car. Um, you know, the the car trans- for the course for us, but not for a professional series. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. This well, didn't start as a body in white, or you know, yeah, yeah, no. So well, I've never, you know, I've never had the privilege of of being in that group. So, um, this was pretty par for the course for me too. So, um, but it was pro racing and I wanted, you know, it was a shot. So, um, the, the car had a a bunch of problems and the biggest problem was, was that the mini Cooper did really, really well, uh, in the previous years in the TCB class. And so they just killed it with the restrictor plate. And, um, we went to Coda for the first race and I'll tell you, this was, this was incredible. We, Literally, my two two of my best friends, Tyler Hoffman and Trevor Andrusco, built this car in a day. I mean, we found so much stuff wrong with it when we actually got to Coda. And um, these two guys, my buddy Chris Lima, they went all in. They built it in a day. We made tech inspection on Thursday after missing the test day at 530 when tech inspection closed at 5. And they let us race. Oh. It was incredible. So, um, I mean, it, it like 
makes me choke up thinking about it right now because it was just it was awesome. So and, and um, Trevor and Tyler are legitimately great people. Yeah, they they really are. And so um, so we we made the race. We go out for practice and we're nine miles an hour too slow on the straightaway i mean like you think about how long the straightaway is that back straightaway one solid kilometer uh it was awful so um we were like a solid six seconds off i mean it was really bad so um the outing was terrible and um so we started complaining to scca to change the bop give some power all that kind of stuff well if anybody that's listening has dealt with scca they know it takes uh, you know, a year and a half to get anything changed. And so um, we went through the whole year basically with this car that just, it had no power. It was great through the corners. We set it up really well. And um, it was really interesting. We World Challenge actually put out my in-car video on YouTube uh, at Road America. And people just started commenting like, what is wrong with like, what is going on here? And <laughs> why I, doesn't I, it go? Yeah, I passed the same car. Literally, I passed the same Honda Fit like five times in this race. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? And so it was really funny because a week later, World Challenge came back and SCCA came back. And they're like, hey, we're going to give you some power right after that video came out. Well, by that point, our team owner had run out of money. And so we didn't get to uh, we didn't get to finish the rest of the year. So um, the long answer there is I got really lucky for the first one you know, in 2016 to go pro racing, 2017 came along. Um, I raced with a team called, uh, GB racing slash racing analytics, um, here out of Atlanta. And, um, I was basically a data point to my teammate and, um, that teammate just happened to be my girlfriend at the time and her dad owned the race cars. So I found my way in another ride, uh, right there. And, um, I basically approached, her dad and said, you know, I think I could be of service to her and to the team and and make the team better and make her better. Um, And would you give me a shot to drive the backup car? And so that's how I ended up with my ride in 2017. Nice. Got it. So, so the, the, your original team was, you know, it was starting a team, which is probably a great indication that they aren't fully prepared. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we actually we had a uh, rule made after us uh, in World Challenge now oh, that they usually means you yes. something well. Yeah. <laughs> you must you must show up to the track with an enclosed trailer with uh, decals on it. Um, so <laughs> my, my, even I have that. <laughs> so, you don't have any decals. Are you are you, are you kidding? That's, that's no, no, real. No, this is real. 2008 uh, 2017 rule book came out and said, "Hey, you must no. show up." with a trailer with decals and it must be enclosed uh, due to presentation. You know, you got to look presentable um, because we showed up wow. to every race in 2016 on a U-Haul dolly. Oh, I was hoping oh, you were going to say that. Nice. And, yeah, and <laughs> borrowed, <laughs> borrowed uh, 2,500 uh, truck. So um, they were literally like, Hey, you can't do this anymore. So oh, that was pretty wow. cool. So bougie. Come on. We had two top fives. That's yeah. all we can say. That's awesome. You're making this look a little too uh, approachable there. We need yeah. to be a little bit snuttier. Yeah, so second well, second ride was also uh, sorry, second ride was also World Challenge. Uh, second ride was the MX five cup, global MX five oh, okay. cup. And we were um, we followed IndyCar, uh, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was that was my real my, my first like real shot. Um, at, at trying to perform well. So um, we showed up, 
let's see, we showed up in March to the test in March at Barber and um, I was the fastest in one of the, the test sessions, which is really cool because it was um, mainly a bunch of actual professional drivers like Stephen McAleer and Andrew Carbonell and those kind of guys that, that um, have been around the sport a long time. And I ended up P1 in that. So it kind of gave us um, some hope. And um, then the season just, the season started and just went to hell really, really quick. And uh, we had like five mechanical failures, I think, uh, throughout the year. I mean, crazy stuff, engine blow, engines blowing up and that kind of stuff. And so mm. it just clearly was not meant to be. Yeah. Huh. Well, awesome. And you said the state of your career now is mostly coaching. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You, you, you mentioned that, you know, like there seems to be like a, a fuzzy line between full-time driving, part-time driving, professional driving. Like how many times in your career has this pendulum gone from full-time professional racer to part time and part-time coach full-time coach you know like how how do you deal with that swing through your career yeah yeah sure so i think i think to lead it off you know nowadays the the term professional driver has really been tarnished um and i'm not by gentlemen drivers per se but just by guys who you know they they coach a lot or they coach in a professional setting but they might not have turned a wheel in a professional race and they still consider themselves professional race car drivers. And that, that is bothersome, (laughs) especially as somebody that's like really worked really hard to be where I am now and to be able to say, yeah, like I have been paid to race before. And, um, so for me, it's gone back and forth a whole bunch. So I left school when I was 22 to try and do this as a, as a career. I, I I was 27 before I ever actually raced a professional race. So there's five years in there where, you know, I was working for an indoor kart track uh, here in Atlanta and I was building go-karts and I was a mechanic and that kind of stuff. And then I I got a gig with uh, Skip Barber and that was kind of the, you know, the side job to my actual job. And, um, but from there I, I got a, I don't know how, but I got an interview with Porsche with the uh, Porsche track experience, which is over in at Barber, the actual racing school, mm-hmm. Barber. Yeah. And, um, so that was 2014. And for some reason they liked me and they kept me and that kind of really got the ball rolling for me. And after that, um, the, uh, the experience center opened up here in Atlanta. And so being from Atlanta, it seemed like a good job to work for Porsche here at my home. And so I did that for about a year and a half and then went back to the racing school. So in between that time, when 2016 came around and I started racing professionally, I was still coaching. Um, at that time, I was still coaching at the Experience Center here in Atlanta. So, you know, I was a full-time guy working, um, you know, working Tuesday through Friday, essentially. And then we, fortunately, the guys would let me go race, you know, once a month um, in World Challenge. And then I'd be right back in the office, uh, basically on Monday or Tuesday morning. And then um, from there, when I left the Experience Center, that's kind of when it became uh, an actual career for me as a coach. So I was on my own at that point. And um, I went back to the Porsche Racing School at Barber, and I became a, a contractor, essentially, and just started scavenging to try and find coaching gigs and that kind of thing and support myself. And, um, you know, 2017 was when I had the MX-5 Cup ride. So I was really 
I, I was taken care of as far as the professional racing went for that year. And so it was a lot of training and um, it, it was just going testing, going racing, which was really cool. And every now and then I would get to go and coach and make a little bit of money. So that was a, a really cool you know, year for me. And then we turned around to 2018 and I got nothing. I mean, I, it was bone dry. The coaching was going great. Um, I had a lot of clients and I had a lot of different manufacturers and stuff I was working for, but I was not racing at all. I mean, I would do, and not at all, but I would do like WRL and I'd do some champ car and have some fun, but there was no pro stuff going on at all. I, I ran Petit Le Mans on my own dime, essentially, uh, at the end of the year. And I got this killer deal to run, um, a, uh, TCR car and I went all in, cleared out my bank account and went and did it. And, um, <laughs> Uh, looking back on it, I would not encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, you know, as amateur racers, we know nothing about uh, financial irresponsibility in pursuit of our hobby. Yeah. Sure. Not at uh, all. Can you give a because you know you say you brought you know you emptied out your bank accounts quote at, you know for for the race. What is, what kind of league are we talking about for that kind of money? What kind of what kind of you said you went to Petit Le Mans on your own dime? Is that how, how many digits are we talking? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I can give you a I can give you a rough estimate of of the numbers. So um, you know, you got two guys for this team. This was a this was a decent team. The cars had potential. The team was still really small, you know, go figure, um, where I come from. So the team was still really small. Um, and you know, it was around, um, 35 to 40 K to do the, to do the race weekend. Now that's split between a couple guys and I worked a deal and I had a couple sponsors, but, um, but it was still mainly on my own, on my own dime. And this is, this was my home race, you know? So I, I really wanted to, to show out and have a good time. And so I, you know, I went crazy. I bought a, uh, brand new paint job. I got a brand new suit, new gloves, new shoes. I mean, I, I went crazy. So, um, it wasn't the smartest decision, but I, I showed really well in the race and I, I can't say it's helped <laughs> yet, but yeah, yeah. let's see and and what? how much time? Sorry, let me get this one in too because it's about the finances. Like you said, you had a couple of sponsors here and there. They are following you. They are choosing to support you, but then you still need to give get permission or to use that money for that race, right? Sure. Yeah. So um, the guys that the guys that sponsor me. Um, are local guys to Atlanta that have known me for a long, really long yeah. time. Feel, feel free to give them a plug. We don't charge here. Yeah. So, uh, so Gran Turismo East, uh, over in Chambly. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those, so it's really cool. My, my dad actually, uh, was best friends with Harris Connor who started Gran Turismo back in, in the seventies. And, um, Kieran O'Brien who runs the, the operation now and Jeff Mills are, two of the closest family friends that we have. And so, um, Kieran has always been a really, really big supporter of me coming up, you know, through racing and everything. So, so those guys are really, that is a karting facility. Those of us who are not, it's a, it's a, it's a tire and alignment shop. Uh, yeah. So they, they, um, it's crazy because back in the eighties, man, like whenever there was an SCCA weekend in the eighties, that place was just slammed with race cars. It was super cool. And they're, they're very transparent and, um, just a really, really Guys. That was the place to get your race car done back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. So you have a prior relationship with them. Your yeah. your rides have dried up. You decide that you're going to go all in on Petit well, Le Mans. I, yeah, and and I want to know. I mean, without selling out the team because you you want to pay them in a favorable light. 
what car, what kind of car? I mean, you know, it, we've all, we've all driven road Atlanta and we've done it in slow cars. We've done it in not as slow cars. Yeah. So, uh, so this was a Volkswagen GTI TCR car. And, um, you know, these are, people think about them. They're like, Oh, it's a front wheel drive car. It can't be that great. We were doing, yeah, Chris, it's a front wheel drive car. It can't be that great. <laughs> I think, uh, where's your, where's show your Honda challenge tattoo <laughs> on your ass. I think, uh, <laughs> I think poll time was like, uh, in TCR and for that year, poll time was like a high one twenty nine or one thirty flat. Atlanta. So okay. I mean, that's, it's moving. Um, yeah. So, so it was, uh, even though it was TCR and it was, it was kind of the middle rung, you know, you had GS and then you had TCR and then ST at that time. It was still, it was a big boy car and, and, um, it costs a lot of money to run one of those cars. So, yeah, but it was yeah. good time. It was Volkswagen GTI. So, good car. So, so you, uh, approach your, 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 um, sponsor and say like, I need X amount of cash. You tell your friend, cause you were in charge of putting the team together, I assume. So the team was already together. It was mainly okay. – it was a family-run team. They had run all season um, with one car, but they had this this backup car essentially yeah, yeah. Um, that was available. So um, so we put this deal together, and they said, you know, here's here's how much it's going to cost you. And I said, okay. And um, I said – I you know, I had, a, um, I had another driver, a gentleman driver, who was bringing most of the money that we needed. And um, – but I still had to find a little bit. And so basically I, I – went to Kieran at Grand Turismo East and I said, Hey man, I said, you know, here's what I got and what can you do for me? And he said, absolutely. I said, here you go. So yeah, that's great support. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was yeah. awesome. Those guys yeah, were great. I, I, I know this just from, I, I don't know this. I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know this either, but you know, the percentage of effort for a professional driver to drive is not, the 100% success of a team or to actually keep you on the track. So cultivating these relationships and everything is tremendously important. Knowing what rides to take and what rides not to take. I mean, you already mentioned that you probably wouldn't go back in that Cooper again. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So I I just wanted to make sure there, there any other thoughts on, you know, like trying to manage that burgeoning career that maybe most of our listeners haven't thought of. Yeah. Um, so we we kind of you look at at things that you shouldn't have done and and should have done and I think the number one thing for me personally is that I never I was never really aggressive with follow-ups with people that I would meet and I was never really aggressive with um um you know approaching companies and saying this is what I got what do you think because I was always afraid of of being told no and so I, and I didn't want to look like an idiot and um so Going back, really should have come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so going back, you know, I like, being aggressive with follow ups and making sure I'm talking to the people that I just met, you know, every other week or sending out emails or whatever it is, building that relationship with people and that network. I, I was not very good at. And so I, looking back, I would have done that. Net, networking no one likes mm. to actually network but everybody says once you do I, it that's I the like thing. You, networks I'm my not, job i'm not really surprised by that but there's plenty no. of people that even if you are you don't feel like you're bad at it like i don't i'm pretty good at carrying conversation with most people but it's still difficult to do and it takes time and effort and i think and i'm sure if it's your job it's easy to just be like well they'll call me or something but that's, uh, that's why we, when we need a tool or a part of the track i say jeff Go find me a blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> and oh, okay. I'll, I'll be back. Yeah, right. Almost invariably, he comes back. And he also made a friend or four while gone and did some coaching. <laughs> and right. <laughs> yeah. And he usually comes back with a plate of food. Yeah, that too. True. <laughs> or someone that we need to bring food to. Also yeah. possible. Mental. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so Patrick, we, we were talking over the Instagram and then we got on the phone over this weekend. But, but one of the things that is a lot of folks, and I don't, I know that Chris, you've got a question related to this, but we've talked about this into the track. It's not football or basketball where if you're the top dog, you're automatically going to get that contract. I mean, being supremely talented is step one. And everybody at the professional level at, I'm sorry, everybody that is, is burgeoning out there, there is a given level of talent. And so I remember when I first graduated racing school, my buddy says, Oh, so you're going to do this or do this. I'm like, Oh, that's not really how racing works. He goes, yeah, I'm sure that's what Jeff Gordon said. I'm like, yeah, except Jeff Gordon's parents moved to Indiana when he was eight years old. So he could be more competitive. You know, my dad didn't like it when I popped the hood on my car. So there is an aspect to it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I, I have the, the, the lap time is there for me to run at the top of, of every series that I've, I've been in. Um, a lot of it comes down to the money aspect. You got to find the cash first to, to go race and then equipment, you know, if you got the money, then the equipment will be there. So that's kind of been the downfall of my career, I guess, is that I don't have the money, so I don't have the equipment. So it, doesn't make me look good because I show up and, you know, when I, when I was racing SCCA, uh, we raced against a guy who was like a seven time national champ in American sedan, um, when we were running the Mustang and literally his shock package cost more than our car. And so it's one of those things you show up, you know, we're on a shoestring budget. We're, we're borrowing tires from this guy. And so you're, I can't be expected to go out and run with this, you know, with this incredible car even though I feel like as a driver, I was much better than him. Um, and the same thing is in pro racing. The, there's 70 to 80% of the guys that are running professionally are paying to be there, right? So, you know, there's a small percentage of guys that are either running for free or they are actually making money. So, you know, it, that's why I was saying that the professional driver name is kind of tarnished because you're, you're – most of the guys there are, are not true professional race car drivers. Is that, yeah. that, well, uh, what is – I would say I was leading to my question of – I think you most more or less answered it is what's the struggle that the average amateur racer has no idea really about? And I think you're, you're getting to it right there. So, Yeah. Um, well, I can put it this way. You know, watching kids that I coached, when I was a kid, when I was, you know, 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, watching those kids now, just because their parents have a lot of money, watching them actually have a professional racing career and they're on track and they're out they're at, you know, there's ones at Daytona racing this weekend and that I've coached in carts. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, hold on. You're telling me I just spent 10 years of my life dedicating every day of my life to this just for a 17 year old kid to have some money and he's going to go and do exactly what I can't do. I mean, that, that is, it's heartbreaking. And I tell, I tell everybody this, this is the, this is the most wonderful, awful, terrible, most beautiful sport there is in the world. 
because you have literally the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And some people don't, I mean, a lot of guys don't have any idea what kind of, of back work has to be done, you know, not at the track. He sounds like you at Thompson, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It, it's true. Uh, yeah. I think the difference is, is that we all have, uh, we all have this as a part-time love you know, we can dedicate every single thing we do to it, but there's still food on our table. And I think that's, you know, d- d- making the leap. And you said you did it when you were like 20, what? 20, 20, I was 27, yeah. 27, and, that you say, okay, I'm going to give up that actual paycheck. Yeah, yeah. that, And it was it was tough, but it was, it was time, though. I, I felt I had the momentum um, with racing at that time. And I had the momentum with the, you know, um, with the 2017 season and, and MX five cup. And I was like, man, I was like, I showed pretty well. We had some, we had some bad races with mechanicals, but people saw me. I was like, I, I was up front. I was like, something will happen. And then nothing happened. <laughs> so, you know, we see those talent scouts, those IMSA scouts all the time at Lemons races. Penske is in the woods at like, every it's right. It's crazy. It's, it's they're, crazy. They're, so, if you're good, they'll find you. Um, yeah. So I uh, so I made the leap, and and fortunately, you know, with coaching, um, coaching worked out, and I enjoy coaching. It's fun. It's it's a it's a a real pleasure working with people that actually want to learn, and you know that can that can grasp what I'm saying and actually go apply it. That is that's you know extremely rewarding. So I I made the leap professional driving coach is what I consider myself and, and I make a good, you know, decent living at, at doing it. So, um, if a pro ride comes around then great, I'll take it. So what are the most of the coaching you do these days? Is it carts? Is it, um, sports cars? Is it open wheels? Is it everything? Whoever needs it, you're there. Cause Hey, that's how yeah, most of us would above. be. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All of the above. So, um, I excuse my French, but I'm a big whore. I mean, that's all I am. So, um, you know, yeah, people, that's the worst thing that's ever been said here. <laughs> so, um, I could go, you know, I could go from coaching a karting school at AMP, um, to working a Porsche event, you know, over at, at Barber the very next day, uh, to working with private clients in their own racing cars. Um, it just, it depends on what the need is. Um, the, the fortunate thing is that there is a, a big need, uh, out there. And so, I get calls pretty often to go work. So it's, yeah, it's, you just, uh, you just traveled with Porsche. You did like a whole nationwide tour, didn't you? Man, I was, I spent last year, I spent a whole month in Utah doing the launch for the new, uh, for the new nine eleven. So mm-hmm. that was, it was cool. It is draining. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that was a, that was a 25, you know, day, uh, 25 day work month, you know, for of 13 hour days, the paycheck's great, but, um, and you get to drive some cool stuff, but it is, it's a long, long day doing that kind of stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what percentage are you private versus would you say group or corporate? Um, private right now is, well, it's January, you know, so it, it changes as, as the season. season goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and that goes for group and private, but, but mainly right now, you know, working for, for big schools is, um, the majority versus the actual private coaching that's going on right now. So come like springtime, April around then it's going to start to even back out to 1550 or so. And feel free to pimp the uh, name on your shirt there. Cause I still think that's a fantastic organization. 
Yeah, so uh, so Primal Racing School uh, out of AMP at Atlanta Motorsports Park. We it was really neat. We started this school uh, ground up back in 2018, and um, it was it was incredible because it, it's me and Tyler Hoffman and, and Trevor Andrusco were kind of the three main guys, and then uh, Adrian Dewey is the guy who who runs the whole pro- program, um, who's the CEO of it, and he literally entrusted us you know, with building this curriculum and, um, we have radical race cars as our, as our, um, school cars. And that's not, a, that's not an eighties term listeners. That's an actual brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> radical sports cars out of the UK. So, um, and they're awesome that we use a little SR one, uh, radicals there, uh, 175 horsepower, but they only weigh a thousand pounds. So, um, the power of weight arrow it's yeah. Yeah. So it, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, we, we we once didn't let a guy arrive and drive with us because as a resume he sent us his radical lap at uh, <laughs> where what track was it? It was was one I of the it, I think it was Summit Maine, but I think it was Summit Maine. He sent <laughs> yeah. us he sent us Summit Maine. He says, "Well, this is how I drive, so you know, hopefully it'll be good with your team." And we're like, uh, "No, you're not for us. You're going to be driving." Was it a video of him? A video, yeah. yeah he sent us a oh, video. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, the, we, the car the car point, we were going to be racing was a Chevy C-Sprite S10 boat on an boat. S10. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> very relatable, very yeah. relatable. I missed so, the boat so much. We ended up bringing in the guy who uh, sent us a resume that included uh, Rockfords and smelled like weed. So we're <laughs> like, that's more our guy. Who daily drove a Peugeot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's going to fit right in. Absolutely. I already know who they're talking about. Now I, <laughs> I'll say with the, the radical school, cause I got to do a little bit of work out there early last year when I was between positions and, uh, Tyler and Trevor had pity on me. Uh, and also, uh, one of the Check off. Dog. dogs barking, yeah. check it off. One of the, uh, one of the Hong brothers is one of the initial investors in that one. And it is, it is actually, it's the, the, the curriculum you guys put together is fantastic. And if any of our listeners, if you've done some track day stuff and you want to kind of get that next level education, Primal is a it's a great track and it's a great school and those cars are so friggin' cool. And they're they're gonna put you faster than you thought you could go, but they're not gonna be dangerous to do it. It's gonna be safe the whole time. Oh, awesome. So uh we do I do want to talk a little bit about private coaching. Um does anybody want to ask a specific question before we get into private coaching? I, I mean, I'm just interested to know more about how do, how do you do it? Like, or how does one do that? How do you find a coach? What do you get out of it? What does a, a time with a coach look like? Like, it's exactly, at sure. this point, for example, I've been doing this for a long time. I've done 50 something lemons races and I'm a NASA instructor and I'm kind of plateaued. So like a private coach probably would help me out a bit to find also, a time also that I don't Skip, even know. Skippy school a hundred years yeah, ago, right? Right. So, you know, but just as an example, but I'm sure there's other people too, who feel like they need some coaching, but there are an HPD environment isn't necessarily the right place for them. What do we do? Yeah. So, um, there's coaches everywhere and literally any professional driver or, or any professional setting, any driver that's in a professional racing setting, if you contact them in any way, they're going to be like, yeah, I'll coach you immediately. So you don't, there's an abundance of people. It's just taking the leap and, and saying, Hey, I need your help. Now I work for, um, I, I do work for another 
company contract with another company called Track Record. Um, and it's put on by a guy named Andy Lee, who did a whole bunch of world challenge races. And they, you know, they've got a whole website of true professional drivers that you can go in and say, okay, I'm in the Atlanta area. I'll find a coach that's in the Atlanta area. Um, and you can click on Atlanta or, or Georgia and find the guys that are within that vicinity. And I'll be one of the guys. And it says, hey, if you like his resume, if you like my resume, then you you send me an email and, and say, hey, I need some help. And I go and coach you. Um, so it sounds like a great service because I wouldn't know, you know, I've never met you. Obviously, I don't know whether you're legit or not legit. So having some kind of organization that you can trust, say this is a real coach. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so a, a good point to what to what you're saying there is there is a huge, huge difference between uh, the track day coach at an HPD event and an actual professional race car driver the the amount of of information and uh the benefit that you're going to get from an actual true coach who does this all the time is going to be drastic compared to the guy that's doing this to get free track time um and so that that's no no offense no offense i I hope that doesn't offend any. any no, 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 he, no, he lies. He'll give up a track session to make sure that his student does it right. Yeah. So, no, but but honestly, we talk a lot about all the different levels of education here. You know, I don't expect I don't expect our guests to be an, a listener, although you said you listen sometimes. Um, the, the we talk about from the very beginning, like if you've never been on a track before, HPDE is the place to start. Sure. But sure. Yeah. nothing beats instruction constantly yeah so so i look at it like this you know everybody plateaus and and chris you mentioned earlier that you you've reached a plateau that's when you need a coach you know you kind of you you flatten out and it's like man my track my my lap times aren't aren't getting any better or i'm having trouble passing people and and working on racecraft and that kind of thing and that's when you need somebody so um the you know, whenever you plateau, that's when you pick up a coach and then he'll grow you to the next level. So what I tell everybody is that there's kind of a motto that I use is that, um, you know, I'm working my way out of a job essentially. So I, I am going to be completely confidential with what we discuss and, you know, your lap times and what we're being, what you're paying me and all that kind of stuff. But essentially I'm trying to work my way out of a job to where you don't need me anymore. Right. To where you're good enough to where, you know, you continue on and grow. Um, and so, you know, that that's kind of how I look at it. Um, and hopefully, hopefully a lot of people look at it that way. But uh, and hopefully a lot of people don't look at it as just I think a lot of people look at it as a money stream. They're like, ah, oh, well, I'll, I'll teach this guy some stuff. I'm not going to tell him all my secrets so that he still needs me kind of thing. And, and I just I don't feel like that's the right way to go about it. If you can teach all of your stuff in like a three day period, you don't have enough stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. No, I, that's very true. And, and um, something like the primal racing school uh, that we put on is a good spot to to be uh, overwhelmed with information. So there's, you know, there's multiple professional coaches that are there. And we're all trying to tell you something for three days and you are wiped out by the end of it. So and just mentally and physically. My, my one thought, as Jeff just said, that if you um, taught for three days, then you don't have enough stuff. And there's but thinking of being on the other side of, of needing coaching and, and having somebody to coach you. Uh, it's also you you're busy as a coach, but as a student, you also have to perform and 
practice all of the things that you're trying to, that the instructor is trying to tell you. So it's not only like you got a lot of stuff to say, but I'm just picturing it from the other point of view of like, you got a lot of stuff to do, right? As a driver, I need to pick up all these things that you're saying and try to practice them and figure out how to implement them. And that takes a lot in three days too. Yeah. Especially if you've been doing this long enough that you have bad habits to break. You're not just going to crack out of those. So, so that's what I'm glad you brought that up too, because, um, that's kind of where I wanted to get back to as well was we're talking about HPD coaches and then, uh, and professional coaches, and you can start with the HPD guy and move on to the, to the professional. The problem with that is the bad habits that are going to be gained at the beginning of, of that cycle, right? So the, the high performance guy might not notice some of the small things that are happening inside the car um, that a pro might notice. And so you build this habit over, let's say a year, and then you go get a pro and you're, you've got a day with him to break some crappy stuff that you, you could have broken in the beginning. Um, and so, and I'm not trying to put down HPD you guys at all. I mean, I'm, you know, but it's, it's one of those things that I feel like if you, if you have the will and the money to get somebody that's a pro, go that direction because you know, you're going to get more benefit of that um, now than you are later in your career when you've built these bad habits. And it's the, I think the the thing that drives me insane the most is people throwing money at a car trying to go faster. They buy their Corvette and they're like, Oh, I, I need, uh, yeah. I, got, I got 400 horsepower, but I need 700. That's going that's to yeah. get me, you know, that's going to get me my 129 at Road Atlanta. Well, that's crap because if I can give you a second, you know, just in my coaching, well, then you've got that second forever and then you can go get your, your engine. Right. And then you've got another second. So now really I've gained you like two seconds. So the the thing is, is that I tell people, I don't go out and buy brand new golf clubs thinking it's going to make me shoot in the sixties. Right. So you shouldn't think that a hundred more horsepower is going to make you a better driver. Right. If that makes sense. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. We, we- <laughs> We talk all the time about how much, how much I learned differently in an HPDE, my NA Miata, mm-hmm. versus the same track in my race car. Or sure. the lady yeah. with the Corvette on Hoosiers with caged and arrow in HPDE two, because that's gonna be good. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, but but removing I think all I know of the. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm sure you've met her or a thousand people like her um but no no but removing those other things like having a motor you know like having giant brakes that can get you out of a situation that you shouldn't have been in Mm -hmm. are crutches sure and that's exactly what it is it 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 gives you a false hope you know that you're that you're better than what you actually are and i would rather break your heart really early and tell you that you're crap uh, right off the beginning, then you spend a whole bunch of money on something that you don't need. But I need those Motons. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So, so this huh. is uh, very interesting. Uh, like when you do professional coaching, the the in- individual coaching, I should say. Uh, what is usually the terms? You know, like one day, two day. What kind of track days are you doing are, are you also on a rented track do you do it at events like yeah, where to do it yeah. is tough because you can't just like hey new jersey i'm just gonna rent you for the day just for me sure. like, uh, well most people it's not a thing like 
Yeah. The whole state, so, not not a track. New Jersey's available cheap though. Well, because it sucks. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of it is done during you know during track days that are already going on. So uh, chin events or just track it or or MVP something like that. So the thing is, is that um, most guys that are putting on track day events, let's say it's a chin event, most of those guys are going to know the pros that are local, you know, to the area. And they usually give us a pass on having to pay to drive or get a wristband, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, literally the client is just they're they're buying their track day, but instead of using one of their coaches, they they buy us as well on the side and so it's us. That's that's the way it usually works. And I don't and- I've never had anybody rent a track just for me and them. That would be awesome though. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So so uh, what what do you do? You get called. Let's say you know you get called tomorrow. There's a track day in March. Mm-hmm. What are you doing before you get to the track to meet, know, or coach that person? Or are you w- waiting till you get there? No, usually you know we need to build a rapport together, and and so the first thing is I got to know a background on what you've been doing and and how long you've been doing it, what you're driving. And I like to get video uh, before I actually show up just so I can have some talking points right off the bat to try and work with. And then from there, you know, then we can start, you know, working on, on whatever we're going to work on when we're there, the, the stuff that the meat of the, of the situation um, when we're at the track. So there is a little bit of, of, you know, work before we actually get there to learn about the driver. Cool. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. No, no. no answer. You're, so it's not just a hey, come make me better. You're doing all the homework beforehand. It's a same thing if you hired a personal trainer. Okay, I, I'm going to want to know. Give give me your food diary. What do you eat in a personal day? What are your ultimate goals for this training session? And you know what's your current weight and your capabilities. It, it makes sense if you're going to hire a pro to do that. You'd want a, a pro to do the same thing driving. So after yeah. the podcast, Mental, call me and ask me all those questions. <laughs> yeah, it, it um, you know, for the kind of money that people spend on a on a professional coach, then there should be some kind of um, professionalism that goes into it, and and the guys should take it seriously. I think you know, a lot of guys think that it is just showing up and coaching somebody for a day and getting a check and going home, but you know, if you're if you're um, actually trying to make somebody better. Uh, then you need to do your homework on the front end and then do your follow-up on the on the back end too. What kind of follow-up? Like, do I have your number? Can I text you next time I'm at a race? And, hey, remind me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually, I mean, I, I tell everybody that I work with, you know, if you have a question or there's something that, you know, a, a clip of a video that you want to look at, just shoot it to me and, and I'll, and I'll, you know, tell you which I, what I see. And, and, uh, the most recent was a guy that was trying to race at the runoffs, um, uh, the SCCA runoffs. And, uh, we worked together at VIR in March of last year, I want to say. And, um, and he did just that. He was having some trouble and sent me a video and, and, um, I told him what I saw and he went out and did his thing. So uh, I think, you know, I don't think that, I don't think the coaching day ends when the day ends. I think, you know, it ends when you, you complete your job and make them a better driver. Awesome. 
call him out. I've I've followed him on his uh, social media, and there's you know posts of, hey, I'm here at Road Atlanta with a couple of clients running BMW CCA, or hey, I'm at this track, or I'm at that track, where you've just shown up as moral and uh, probably some sort of unintentional trackside logistics support for your clients. Yeah, I um, anything that's local, I try and get to, and that's something that <clears throat> I fell off of a little you know, a little ways through the, the professional career and that kind of thing. Cause I thought, I thought I had made it, you know, in, in 2000, <laughs> I'm there. So everything's going to keep rolling. So I just, I quit doing that. I quit going to the track days and I quit going to the amateur races and that kind of thing. And that, I mean, I think that that really hurt me um, because I wasn't, again, I wasn't continuing that network and I wasn't showing support for people that, that knew me and people that wanted to use me and that kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think when you go to these events and show your face and, and give a little, you know, like you see a guy go through turn six at A&P, you know, and it's like, Hey, that guy turned in early. I know him. I'm going to go tell him. And if you already have that, you know, if you already have that relationship with him, you can walk up and say, Hey, you know, you could probably do this better Then that's just only going to make him better. It's going to make the relationship better and it's going to make him want to use you later, you know, down the road. I don't know if you should necessarily walk up to a random guy that you don't know say, Hey, you're really screwing up turn six. Um, that, <laughs> that explains that fight at the last race I was at. Okay. That's <laughs> Chrissy. Better. What was, what was the name of that professional racer that you sat there and talked about Laguna for like 20 minutes in the map? What's his what? name? The guy who did the drift. Uh, you have oh, a picture. Was it, was it Ross? Hang see on. It. Oh, yeah. uh, was it Ross? Be- or it no, was uh, no, or no, 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 somebody no. that Kathy had brought in. A He's pro an that- English guy. Uh, no, he's a German Yo- guy. Johan Schwartz. Johan. That's right. Johan's Johan. the man. So he 20, is the man. So so you know he holds the record for the longest drift. Yes. yes. That's what yes. The, that's what he's holding. I have there. a sign. Yeah, yeah. Coming. There you go. So um so Johan's really cool. So he, yes, he was the original owner of endurancekarting.com. So he started endurance karting um in the States here years ago, and that was kind of my when I, when I came out of the indoor karting league that I was in, that was my next step was Johan Schwartz endurance karting and mm-hmm. this relationship with him. And now, I mean, he's killing it now. He's got rides all over the world in BMW and he was one of the winningest drivers last year in a BMW product. It was, it's really cool. He's a great guy. Yeah, and he is so humble though. Right. So that's what yeah. you were saying. Yeah. I was just trying to talk to him about the track and just yeah. kind of like, yeah, he's like, Oh, he, I don't know. He's like, I'm like, what do you do? Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so part of cool. part of our prep is Chrissy hand draws track maps to learn a new track. So every time we go to a new track, Can she you has turn a your computer around. Chris, she has a poster size, you know, track map that she has hand drawn. And there's one on the floor over there, and there's one at the side. There's so we is, that's. Hit, keep so then falling we, down. Then we Watkins make her walk there. us through the track so, so that we can learn the track. So after testing at Laguna, our first time ever there, Chris and I are furiously wrenching slash trying to stay awake because we're on the wrong, we're on the <laughs> wrong zone. coast, the time zone. And Chrissy spends twenty or thirty minutes talking to this weird guy about the track, and that's awesome. <laughs> she says, "So awesome. what do you do?" And then we meet. He says, "Oh, I uh, think." I- I think he started with asking me, like, oh, yeah, what like, track do you like? What tracks do you yeah, like? And he then just totally like, like played you. Like, tell me about this track. I don't know yeah. anything about it. And then it. I'm like, oh, who are you? Let me talk. Let's talk to you. And then I'm like, you know oh. So, you know what's so cool was I did, um, I did this six-hour race at Charlotte 
endurance karting race. And um, it came down to, and I didn't really know Johan that well at this time, but this kind of, this kind of gave me the, the thought that, that he is super passionate about what he's doing was it came down to me and one other guy for the end of this six hour race. And, and we literally were nose to tail. And for the last like 10 minutes of this race, Johan took the, the microphone and was just commentating the race between me and this guy the whole time around Charlotte. And, and it was so cool. I didn't know at the time, my, my parents were telling me about it later after the race, but it was awesome because I had never seen him do that before. And he just rips the microphone away and starts doing a full commentary on what was going on. It was awesome. And from then on, I was like, man, this guy's pretty cool. So that is cool. It was a good time. Awesome. Before we get uh, into my goofy personal questions, uh, does anybody have any actual coaching or driving questions? And silence is consent. So I mean, like, yeah, but yeah, not right now in two minutes. In the, I'm actually interested in the uh, the nacho story, so I want to hear it. Uh, okay, so so to endear you to our readers more, and I know this story, but I think it's a great story. Please tell. And there's a picture on your Instagram, and I remember Alyssa went all crazy about it, and Sharon went all crazy about it. But here's a picture of Patrick, and he's very fit. He takes care of himself to be a race car driver, and he's at the He's at the paddock at Atlanta Motorsports Park, and he's got the driver's suit tied around the waist, and he's walking down, looking every bit like the pro driver, and at the end of this leash is a tiny, <laughs> old uh, chihuahua. So tell people the story of Nacho, who is the world's second greatest chihuahua. <laughs> so... Um... Everybody that doesn't know Nacho loves Nacho, and everybody who knows Nacho hates Nacho. So um, that's like every Chihuahua I've ever met. <laughs> so, so Nacho is my dude. That's all I always call him. He's my dude, and I never. Let me preface this with: I never in a hundred years ever thought that I would own a rat as a pet, but <laughs> he's, he's awesome. So, um, in two thousand, I think it was sixteen. Um, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, was really big into rescuing animals. And so she had three dogs of her own and one cat. And uh, we were living together at the time. And we I really wanted a puppy. And so we went out to one of the um, humane societies. We're looking around. I don't really see anything. There's a quarantine section that nobody's supposed to go into. And she just goes right into it. And um, here's this chihuahua that's in the back of a cage. And he is mean as hell. As soon as you look at him, he's growling. And, I mean, he looks petrified. It was really, really sad, but he looks petrified. So, anyway, she's like, my friend has a Chihuahua rescue. Let's adopt him, and he'll be gone in two weeks to the rescue. And I'm like, man, I was like, I don't want this Chihuahua. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and um, so, lo and behold, we adopt the damn Chihuahua. And uh, Yes, that uh, shot. I love that picture. So, so uh, can I see it again? You put it way I, too fast. I'm zooming in on the dog. Keep talking. <laughs> So we go to uh, we we end up back at Aww. home with this chihuahua, and um, we we get to the house and literally you got to put him in a damn blanket just so he won't bite you, and so um, he loves her, he hates me, Aww. and I hate, him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can't wait for two weeks to go by until this little bastard's gone, and um, so fast forward maybe like two days. And I'm, I'm up early. I'm getting ready for work. I'm in a I'm in the closet getting dressed. And this little rat comes walking in 
and he's wagging his tail and he's starting to lick my legs and stuff. And I'm, I'm like, don't, I'm like, no, like, don't, don't get attached. I'm like you're gone. <laughs> two weeks. And, um, I, he was like really messed up too. When we got him, like his right eye like looked like a cataract, but it wasn't, it was all hazy. His rear legs like hardly worked. I mean, he was like almost, he was almost dragging his rear legs around. I mean, he was pitiful. And, um, I was like, I don't want this dog. And so, uh, fast forward a week and we're, you know, I'm laid out on the lazy boy watching racing or whatever it is. And he's asleep on my chest, that kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, this damn dog. Like, I don't, I don't want him. I don't need him. And, uh, two weeks is up. She's like, okay, I'm going to take him to the, to the rescue tomorrow. And I'm like, ah, like, well, why don't we just keep him? He's kind of, he's all right. He's fine. (laughs) And, um, and I think it was that day we came to terms with that. If we broke up, Nacho was coming with me. And, um, we ended up breaking up and I was like, Hey, you know, the deal. I was like, that dog's mine. And so uh, here we are years later and uh, he's still just as ornery as he was when I first met him. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that bodes well or not well for the future of my life, because I've been told by my wife of almost 20 years now that um, if we break up, I get, all of the shitty cars and all of the Duh. stupid dogs and all of the crap oh, get... in the basement. Oh, everything. No. <laughs> Depends on how much you like those, that stuff. I... <laughs> we do yeah. have a lot of cars. He's lying. He loves the cars. He loves the dogs. Uh, yeah. So does she. I... That's the lie. The true lie. So this is awesome. I'm, I am going to make sure to get track record and primal race school uh, in our um, in our podcast link so that people can find them directly. But is there, are there any events coming up that you want to pimp? Are there any social media things you want to talk about? Like now's the time to do your uh, commercial. Doing the 24 commercial, the 24 Orlando again. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're, this is second year in a row. Um, myself and now four other guys, it was three other guys we partnered with, um, racing for children's and they're a group uh you might have seen their race car in gt3 cup uh their driver just won the gt3 cup uh this last season but um racing for children's is a uh is is a team that basically supports children's hospital in alabama which is a cancer research um research hospital and so we got this killer uh sponsorship deal last year with these guys and they sponsored us to do the the 24 hour simcraft 24 hour of orlando and we came back for year two. We raised just over $3,000 last year. We're already on track to raise over 4,000 for this year. And, um, so hopefully we get to do some more racing with them and, uh, and, and raise some more money for the hospital. So that has been absolutely incredible. We had DCT speed sport here in Atlanta that supported us with, uh, with the tuner. They gave us our chassis, all that kind of stuff. So the support from that has been incredible. That's coming up, um, at the end of this month. And then honestly, Dell MP3 ride that I have going on, I am completely on the back burner on that. It's it's being taken care of uh, between the company and uh, and my guy that's that's putting it all together. I'm just waiting to hear when we go race. And um, other than that, I'm trying to go back to to Champ Car. Honestly, we got Champ Car coming up at Road Atlanta in, in a couple weeks, and uh, I've already spoken to two or three teams that that want me to drive. So hopefully, over 14 hours, I'll get to do a couple stints. So that should be cool. Nice. Uh, any specific social media you want to pimp? What's yeah. your fa- where can they find the dog? That's what everybody wants to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm everywhere. So uh, so on Instagram, it's Wilmot Racing. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't use Twitter too much, but again, it's Wilmot Racing there. And um, my website is patrickwilmot.com. 
And you can pretty much find everything on social media or on Instagram specifically uh, through hashtag feed Patrick. And that's kind of the thing that I use to, to post everything. And um, on my Instagram is where you'll find all the nacho stories. Great. Uh, Chrissy wasn't here for the beginning. So mental, why don't you bring us to the. Just, we, just tip, is it just a tip or is it on the spot? On the spot. We it's, it's just the tip on the spot. It's just a tip oh. on the spot. All right. So, oh. Patrick, oh, yeah. you, Patrick, you've got a ton of coaching experience. Oh, no. Oh, it's internet. Oh, no. All of our listeners. Hold on. Sorry, <laughs> you're back. Start over again. Okay. Start over. So, uh, Wait, don't. you do a lot of you do a lot of coaching, and we tried to give everyone a safety tip. What's the biggest safety thing besides people driving in Atlanta in storms with their hazards on that at a trace track really bothers you that you see people doing a lot, or even just um, some of your clients? Yeah. Uh, so I had time to think about this. So two things. One is missing flags. That's probably the number one thing. They they go out and they they completely miss the corner stations. And so I'm, I'm a big advocate for, you know, going out the first session and find your corner stations cause they can save your life one day. Um, and then really the, the second thing I, I've lost my, uh, I lost my train of thought here. Um, corner stations corner are stations, great. Point, point buys. Um, so point buys, I, I had a really interesting thing start happening lately where people feel the need to get out of the way of the car behind them. And that drives me insane because that's not the way it is. The blue flag doesn't mean for you to move. It means you got to slow a car behind you and let them let them pass you. So the thing the thing is is that I had a guy recently that um, was coming out of uh, out of turn 12 at Road Atlanta, and when there was a car behind him, he would just whip the car to the right side of the track out of turn 12 and point him by on the left. And I'm I mean I'm yelling through the communicator, you know, don't, 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 don't just stay here because I am literally just waiting for, for us to be a little wide and drop the left rear or something like that. And we're going to hook into that concrete wall. And so, um, you know, I really want to express for people to find their flags, find their corner stations and, and don't worry about the car behind you, get on the straightaway, point them by where it's safe. And that's that. If you're in a 700 horsepower car and a Miata is about to pass you, just lift. I mean, I know it, it's, yeah. the pride hurts, but let them go because they're going to eat you up in the next corner anyway. So he, he caught up to you, so he's doing something right. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. yeah you God probably barely there. have to lift just a little, and yeah. you, they're gone. <laughs> little crap. So I think those two things are what I see the you know most often. That, that's great. Uh, we were we have um, friends of the podcast who are learning how to race, and one mm-hmm. of them uh, destroyed a lovely spider Mustang. <laughs> and, uh, what happened is that she got lost in her mirrors mm-hmm. and got Malachi crutched by moving to where they didn't expect her to be. Yeah. She thought she was getting out of the way. Turns out she was getting in someone else's way that she didn't realize was there. Uh, at a lemons race, you know, I don't know if you said you don't champ on how much lemons experience you got, but you know, 125 cars on a track. There are not places to simply whip off of the racing line sure. at any yes. moment. I, I People say it all the time, you know, when you're at a track day event, but, um, you know, be predictable. That's that's the number one thing. And, um, you know, for me, I'm I'm used to, especially at, at champ car races, I'm used to being in one of the, or even WRL, one of the faster cars, you know, one of, one of the GTO cars or, or one of the, I think it's, what is it, Group A, Class A? Is that or Class D? Is that the fast cars in Champ Car? 
I think, uh, yeah, they have the the exception class yes. in Champ Car, and then yeah, yeah they're yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. So I'm used to driving those cars, and the thing is, is that I've already decided where I'm going to pass you, usually two corners before I get to you, and so if you do something that I don't expect, and I've already committed to it, it's going to be a bad day for both of us, and it's not going to be my fault. I'm just going to be really pissed. So. Um, be predictable is the number one thing. Uh, watch your flags. Don't go offline. Be predictable. There you go. You cool. heard it here first. We'll also get track record primal race school, uh, your Instagram up on there. Any other things to plug before we go to the final part of the show? Just, uh, www.racingforchildrens.org. That's where you can donate, uh, to the cause here for, uh, for our race coming up would be much appreciated. hundred percent of the proceeds go to, uh, to the hospital. So we don't take any of that. And, um, it would be awesome if, if we could, uh, raise that money a little bit this year so we can come back next year and do it again. It's for kids, people who have cancer. It's for the kids. That's right. Hamsa. Anyway, anybody know what we're doing next week? No. Uh, it'll be no. the uh, pre-barber show. We have a pre-barber show? Who's going to barber? Pre- Mental. And oh. that. <laughs> That's a show? Thanks for downloading us. We hope you enjoy this week's edition of Everyone Racers. We'll hope you'll join us in the world of driving, racing, and building because everyone can be a racer, even you. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe. It's totally free. Then go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Even if you hate us, give us five stars and tell us why. If you have any questions or show ideas, drop a comment on our Facebook page, Everyone Racers. Or email us at everyone.racers at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram or Twitter at everyone.racers. Thanks again, and until next week, keep the shiny side up. Unless there is no shiny side, then just keep the wheels down. <laughs>